Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So when I tell you that we live in the most beautiful place on the planet, this is what I mean. You know what I was thinking of doing, actually? I was thinking of making today's sermon just me stepping out of the way and letting you watch this for 45 minutes. Because here's the truth. That would be good for your soul. But I do have a few things I want to talk about. Specifically, I want to tell you that in all the years that I've been involved at Southside Church, and there's been many of them, that there's a day that I'm going to remember forever, and that is November 28th, Always Bright, 2020. To me, it was such a powerful day because we established the question that we're going to answer as a church, and then we answered it. See, I really believe that when you walk through a year like we have in 2020, you need to respond to the adversity. And I think there's one or two ways that we can respond. And the first is to throw up our hands in the air and say, why me? Why us? And and the second way that we can respond is come together, support each other, love each other, help each other, pray for one another, and then roll up our sleeves and ask, what now? What now? And that's the question that we established on November 28th, Always Bright, 2020. And then we answered it. And the answer, of course, is impact. Southside Church has always been about making an impact on three different levels. Number one, we want to make a tangible impact in this world. Because the truth is, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's men and women, boys and girls, families in our city, in this world, who desperately need a helping hand. And what we decided to do is to take the generosity that God has poured into our lives and be generous to lend that helping hand to others. It's funny because I've said before that even though we can't fix everything, we just know that we want to do something. But what I've noticed is that over and over and over again, through the efforts of Southside Church, God has taken the something that we do and he's changed everything in someone's life, in someone's marriage, in someone's family. So we want to make a tangible impact. Secondly, we want to make a relational impact. I think it was about five years ago that prognosticators and preachers like me started to tell you that we lived in the most isolated, lonely culture in human history. So much so that a few years ago, the government of Great Britain actually appointed a minister of loneliness after they did a survey and found out that nine million people in Great Britain describe themselves as profoundly lonely every day. And surveys were done around the world to figure out where was this loneliness being felt on the most profound level. And what most people thought was that the surveys would reveal that it was mostly older people, senior citizens, that felt exceptionally lonely. And what they found instead, though, was that it was 16 to 24-year-olds that felt the most profound sense of isolation. Like it turns out that they found that all their social media connections didn't give them a sense of community and that their likes didn't equal a feeling of being loved. And the ramifications are massive, right? Like emotionally and also physically. Medical experts have said that the physical effect of isolation is equal to that of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Okay, so I I want you to think about that for a second. So we're walking into 2020 with the full knowledge that we live in an incredibly lonely, incredibly isolated world. And that it doesn't just affect one age group, but it affects all age groups. Well, then here comes 2020. 
And here comes a divisiveness that I've never seen before in my lifetime. Here, here, here comes a polarization. Here comes enmity. Here, here comes this cancel culture, right? Isn't it amazing? In an incredibly isolated and lonely culture, we see the emergence of the cancel culture, which is like, if you say something that I don't agree with, if, if you do something that I don't agree with, if you believe something that I don't agree with, I'm going to cancel you. For all intents and purposes, my goal is that you would cease to exist. Imagine that stepping into a world where there's way too many people already who feel like they're invisible. Well, we, we decided at Southside Church that we were just going to love one another because that's what Jesus says we're supposed to do. Like the other day I had somebody say to me, I see you guys are building a church on South Sumas and Vetter Road. And I said, yeah, because I didn't want to correct him. But that's not actually true, is it? Because the church isn't a building, the church is a people. Like, the church is not a what, the church is a who. So, so what are we building there? I, I think what we're building there is we're building a home. A home away from home. That when people walk in for the in-person experience or, or when people uh, receive the message that is broadcast from that home, all over the world, that they will understand that you don't have to believe like we believe to belong. You don't have to behave like we behave to belong. Welcome. See, here's the message that the world needs right now, that we need to come together, that there's exponentially more reasons for us to come together in this moment than should ever be able to tear us apart. So we wanna make a relational impact, and finally, we wanna make a spiritual impact, right? We're a gospel-preaching church. We're a Jesus-believing church. We're a John 3:16 quoting church. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Man, that's good news. That Jesus Christ, the son of God, stepped into human history. He lived, died, and he rose again. And get this, it means that our past is forgiven and our eternity is secure. Think about that for a second. Our past forgiven, our eternity secure. So what's in between our forgiven past and our secure eternity? Our life. And because Jesus died and rose again, he also fills our life right now with a sense of wonder. I'm more convinced than I ever have been that the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, John 3, 16, is actually the hope of our world. And here we are. Near the end of the year. It feels pretty good to say that, doesn't it? Like I was thinking that at the end of 2020, instead of people having happy New Year's parties, they're going to have don't let the door hit you on the way out 2020 parties, right? And I get that. To be honest, I'm going to be pretty happy to see 2020 go. But, but at the same time, I'm never going to forget some of the amazing things I've seen in 2020. I'm never going to forget how proud I am to call myself a part of Southside Church through 2020. You know, it's crazy. Like we pivoted to online church this year and we've shattered attendance records from any previous year. That even though we pivoted to online church with everything going on in the world, we're, we're shattering financial records as compared to any other year in our history. I'm just so proud of a church that instead of throwing up our hands and asking, why us? We've rolled up our sleeves and asked what now? And the answer is impact. So in light of that, I want you to think as we approach the end of 2020, I want you to think about investing financially with the mission of Southside Church. Man, whether you've never given before 
or whether giving is your thing, man, I would ask you then to pray if God would have you step out in bold generosity here as the year end approaches. I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Number one, because it's who you were meant to be. I've referred to it before as the upside down reality of the open-handed life. That God's plan for you is that you would be blessed and you would be a blessing. That God would pour his blessing to you and through you to others. That God would pour his hope to you and through you to others. That God would pour his peace to you and through you to others. That God would pour his wonder to you and through you to others. That's life. That's living because God can't fill your clenched fists. So let's go. Let's do this. And the second reason I would say that we need to invest and get excited about the year-end offering this year is because... In all of my lifetime, I've never seen such a great opportunity for us to make an impact. Man, there's people around this world who desperately need a helping hand. So we're going to make a tangible impact in 2021 like we've never made before. There's people around this world who desperately need to feel loved. And so we're going to make a relational impact like we've never made before in 2021. And there's people around this world that desperately, desperately need salvation. And we're going to see God use us to make a spiritual impact like we never have before in 2021. So I invite you to step up in faith and generosity in this year-end offering. If, uh, if you want to give to Southside Church, you can do that by texting GIVE to 604-670-3040. Or you can go online to Life. Dot com. Okay, so here we are, week three of this series called Heaven. Maybe some people are wondering, Mike, are you, you going to talk about like heaven and describe it eventually? Talk about the pearly gates? Well, I am going to talk about heaven, but no, I'm not going to talk about the pearly gates. But since you brought it up, I will say this, that I believe that there's actually an attack on our concept of heaven. I believe that our spiritual enemy, the devil, has intentionally, in our culture, made heaven seem boring, lame, and ethereal. And what that does is that robs us of hope for someday, and it robs us of wonder on this day. So I want to tell you, over these next three weeks, starting next week, I want to really describe heaven in a way that maybe you've never heard before. But it's exciting. It's great news. I want to talk about who you will be in heaven. And then I'm going to talk about where you'll be in heaven, and finally, who you're going to meet in heaven over these next three weeks. Honestly, plan to be here. Get your whole family around, invite everyone you know, share the message. It's so important that we take back this image, this concept of heaven. It's not boring, it's not lame, it's not ethereal. But today, I want to talk about a question that I brought up over the last few weeks. And that's a question that I think haunts our adult lives. Here it is What happened to the wonder? See, I think we all look back to a moment or maybe a series of moments where we, we stopped being kids and we became adults, that we left the wonder behind and stepped into the world. But last week I told you, you know, if I ask you the question, what happened to the wonder, and it fills you with a sense of mourning, that's wrong. Because your wonder isn't dead, it's buried. It's buried under dread. It's buried under drudgery. Well, today I want to talk about another possibility of when you're asking the question, what happened to the wonder, here's a possible answer. Maybe you lost the way to wonder. And I want to illustrate that with an incredible passage out of the Gospel of John, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Listen to this. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and he went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. 
he came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well, and it was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone into the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring, within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. And the the woman looks at Jesus and says, well, when the Messiah comes, everything's going to be made right. And Jesus says, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. So I want to ask you a question today. Have you lost the way to wonder? Because I think we live in a world that is going to kind of push us down two possible paths to wonder. They're going to try to convince us that winning is the way to wonder or that wedding is the way to wonder. And if we wander down those paths thinking that we're on the way to wonder, we're going to lose our way. See, it's amazing if you look at the beginning of this passage, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we got great news for you. Like we've been keeping score, actually, and, and you've been baptizing more people than John the Baptist. You're winning. It's great. And Jesus doesn't even answer them. He just leaves. See, I really think that we live in a culture that has convinced us or is working to convince us that winning is the way to wonder. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win in athletics. You got to win at school. You, you got to win in business. You got to win financially. You got to win in lifestyle. Back in the 90s, there was a bumper sticker that people put in their cars that said, whoever dies with the most toys wins. And then not long afterwards, another one came out that said, whoever dies with the most toys still dies. And I got to tell you, when I saw that second bumper sticker, it actually made me really sad. Because I thought to myself, like, we know that, right? Like, we actually know that whoever dies with the most toys still dies. Like, this is not news to anybody. Here's the heartbreaking aspect to it, though. We all live as if it wasn't true, or we're tempted to live as if it wasn't true, that winning really is the way to wonder. And that's why I think we desperately want all, our win- all the winners in our culture to live happily ever after. Like earlier this year, there was a documentary that was put out by ESPN called The Last Dance. It was a 10-part documentary series on the basketball career of Michael Jordan. It, uh, it beat all kinds of viewership records of any sports documentary ever. It was pretty awesome. As a kid, I used to love watching Michael Jordan. And I know there's a debate on who's the greatest basketball player of all time. All I will say about that is this. When Michael Jordan was at his best, I've never seen anybody play basketball like that. Okay, you might disagree. But here's here's what we don't disagree with. Um, Michael Jordan won a lot. (laughs) He went to six NBA finals 
and won all six of them and won finals MVP in all six of the finals that he won. Okay? And, and so it was neat to watch kind of a new generation of people be introduced to the career of Michael Jordan. But here's something amazing that I noticed. During the documentary, they interviewed Michael Jordan today. And you're not going to believe what I noticed. Here's what I saw. Do you know that Michael Jordan has aged? Like he got older. And you say, well, of course he did, Mike. I know, but the, there was part of me that felt really shocked by that. I, I, I don't know what I expected. Maybe I expected him to still look like that kid who was dunking from the foul line. Or the player who switched hands, went from his right hand to his left hand and, and laid the ball up against Los Angeles Lakers to win his first NBA championship. Or maybe I expected him to be the guy that hit that shot against the Utah Jazz with 5.2 seconds left to secure his sixth and final NBA championship, his sixth and final MVP. I don't know, I don't know what I expected. Like, what did I expect him to look like? Maybe on some level I expected him to still look like the kid who was dunking from the foul line. Maybe I expected him to look like that player who won his first NBA championship against the Los Angeles Lakers by switching from his right hand to his left hand and laying it in. Or maybe I expect him to still look like that guy who held his follow-through in game six against the Utah Jazz as he hit a shot to secure his sixth and final championship and his sixth and final finals MVP. You know, almost like Michael Jordan would spend the rest of his life walking around with that follow-through, and he lived happily ever after, him and the follow-through. He was finally fully satisfied, him and his follow-through, that he was filled with wonder. See, I think we know that's not true, right? Because wonder is an inside thing, and winning is an outside thing. And, and, and so we know that winning can really not provide our wonder, and yet we kind of live as if it's not. That's why the sports media will often have these discussions. They'll say, Who's the greatest player to never have won a championship? Who's the best hockey player who never won the Stanley Cup? Who's the best golfer who never won a major? Who's the best football player who never won a Super Bowl? And we hear about those stories and we think, man, that's kind of sad. It's kind of sad that person never won a championship. And, and we think, man, they're probably up at night worrying about it. And you know what? Maybe they are. But can I tell you something that you already know? That, that, that whether or not they win that championship has absolutely no relation on their level of fulfillment their level of deep lasting joy and their level of wonder. Why? Because winning is an outside thing. Wonder is an inside thing. I guess the most successful football player of all time would be Tom Brady. He's been to nine Super Bowls and he's won six of them. After his third Super Bowl, he sat down with a reporter and he said this, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I, Reach my goal, my dream, my life, me? I think, man, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all about. And the reporter asked him, well, then what is it all about? And Tom Brady replied, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. See, winning is an outside thing. Wonder is an inside thing. And yet we live in our culture at times that win, like winning is the way to wonder. Like if I, if I win financially, if I win athletically, if I win politically, man, that'll be wonder. It's interesting because the other day I saw two pictures of the same person side by side. And that person happens to be one of the most popular presidents of the United States in modern history. And the first picture was taken on the day he took office. And the second picture was taken eight years later 
on the last day that he was president of the United States. And I got to tell you, the first picture, man, he looked energized, like ready to go, fired up, optimistic. And the second picture, on his last day in office, eight years later, he didn't look that good. <laughs> like, like coaching basketball, I remember looking at players on the court sometimes, and they would give me this sign. And what this means, if you're playing basketball, you, you, if you're a basketball player, you know this. When you do this, it means sub. Like, get me out of the game. I'm exhausted. I don't have anything left in the tank. And honestly, that second picture looked like he was doing this. Get me out of here. And I just thought it was sad because, because as a world, we look at him and say, well, you just won two elections. You're a winner. You must be full of wonder. Well, of course not. Because wonder is an inside thing, right? And winning is an outside thing. They're not really related. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Like, I, I hope you win. Like, if you're playing a sport and they're keeping score, can you please try to win? Like, if you, if you want to run for office, man, I hope you do. I'll, I'll, I'll probably vote for you, you know? And, and you should try to win. If you want to start a company, like, you want to start producing strawberry jam, then I think you should make the best strawberry jam in the world, and I think you should try to sell more strawberry jam than anyone else in the world. That's great. But here's what we can't do. We can't convince ourselves. We can't live as if winning is the way to wonder because winning is an outside thing and wonder is an inside thing. I think the second way that we can kind of lose our way to wonder is when we start to pursue wedding as a way to wonder. And when I say wedding, what I really mean is I'm talking about dating, romance, sexuality, and marriage, right? It's really interesting in this passage because Jesus says to the woman at the well, Hey, why don't you get your husband and come back? She says, well, I'm, I'm not really married. He says, I know. You've been married five times. The guy you're with right now, he's not your husband. And it's really weird, actually, because I've heard preachers preach on this passage before, and, and, and they convey this woman at the well as if that she's been jumping around from marriage to marriage to marriage. You know, it doesn't make any sense in that culture, right? The way women were viewed, the way women were treated in that culture, it's, it's more likely that she's been bounced from marriage to marriage and marriage and hurt and wounded and bruised every single time. So let's talk about that for a second. So this whole uh, concept of dating, romance, sexuality, and marriage at its worst can leave people scarred and wounded. And at its best, so at a, in a great marriage, in a perfect marriage, and honestly, you're probably dealing with one of the world's foremost experts on being in an amazing marriage. I mean, every day of my life, I still can't believe that Corinne Manis said, I do. I'm so thankful. I love her so much. She's my best friend. And honestly, it's still getting better. Okay? And here's the thing. Corinne, well, let's go even broader than that. There is no person in the world who was meant to fill me with a sense of wonder. You say, well, Mike, that, that's not very romantic. Actually, I think it's one of the most romantic things I've ever said, actually. Like, because I think we live in a world that, that, that looks at dating, sexuality, uh, romance, and, and, and marriage, and we look at people and we say, well, you can't or you won't. Do you understand? So we look at a person and we say, well, you can't fill me with wonder, but maybe they can. Or you won't fill me with wonder for whatever reason. You're not willing, so maybe someone else is willing. But here's the truth. Other people were never intended to fill you with a sense of wonder. It doesn't work that way because they're an outside thing. Wonder is an inside thing. Do you understand? And don't get me wrong. Man, I want you to have an amazing marriage. I really think as we begin the rebuilding efforts of 2021, one of the pivotal parts to us rebuilding is going to be our marriages. 
Jesus said, love one another. And if you're married, your closest one another is your spouse. I, I believe so strongly in it that starting on January 10th of 2021, Corinne and I are gonna launch a series all about marriage. I want your marriage to be amazing. I want 2021 to be a turning point. If it's good, I want it to be great. If it's struggling, I wanna I, I, I want to turn the corner in 2021. I really believe in that. And can we please understand this? Wedding is not the way to wonder and neither is winning. So what's the way to wonder? Well, Jesus says it in the passage. He says, living water is the way to wonder. And I love the way Randy Alcorn says, he says this, Psalm 63 verse one says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We may imagine we want a thousand different things, but God is the only one we really long for. His presence brings satisfaction. His absence brings thirst and longing. You know what, you guys? I, I think we live in a world where everybody's walking around with this low-grade depression. Wondering what happened to the wonder. And for some people, it's been buried underneath dread and drudgery. And for others, they've lost their way. They've wandered after winning or they wandered after wedding. And now they're lost. And I want to tell you, with God's help, we're going to find our wonder back. Because I think it's pulling all of us. It reminds me of like a, a little kid flying a kite on a cloudy day. You know, you can't see the kite anymore, but it's still pulling. It's still pulling. It's still pulling. I think that's what wonder is doing inside of you and inside of me. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, you may have noticed that the books you really love are bound together by a secret thread. You know very well what is the common quality that makes you love them, though you can't put it into words. But most of your friends do not see it at all and often wonder why, liking this, you should also like that. Again, you have stood before some landscape which seems to embody what you've been looking for all your life and then turned to the friend at your side who appears to be seeing what you saw. But at the first words, a gulf yawns between you and you realize that this landscape means something totally different to him and that he is pursuing an alien vision and cares nothing for the ineffable suggestion by which you are transported. Even in your hobbies. Has there not always been some secret attraction which the others are curiously ignorant of? Something not to be identified with, but always on the verge of breaking through. The smell of cut wood in the workshop or the clip-clap of water against the boat side. Are not all lifelong friendships born at the moment when at last you meet another human being who has some inkling, but faint and uncertain even in the best, of that something which you were born desiring? and which beneath the flux of other desires and in all the momentary silences between the louder passions, night and day, year by year, from childhood to old age, you are looking for, watching for, listening for. You've never had it. All the things that have ever deeply possessed your soul have been but, hit, but hints of it. Tantalizing glimpses, promises never quite fulfilled, echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. But if it should ever really become manifest, if there ever came an echo that did not die, away but swelled into the sound itself, you would know it. Beyond all possibility of doubt, you would say, here at last is the thing that I was made for. We cannot tell each other about it. It's the secret signature of each soul. The incommunicable and unappeasable want, the thing we desired before we met our wives or made our friends or chose our work and which we shall still desire on our deathbeds when the mind no longer knows wife or friends or work. While we are, this is. If we lose this, we lose all.
it's amazing to me. Over these last few weeks, I've had a number of Southsiders come to me and, and they talk about what are those moments where they're pulled towards wonder. And I would say that about 90% have talked about being out here, being out in nature. There's just something about it. When we think about the same God who created all this is preparing a place for us. It's the pull to wonder. It's the signature of our soul. It's crazy because you hear people say sometimes, um, man, in, in the afterlife, we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> so that's completely not true. Because I believe when we step into the other side of eternity, we're going to experience the life that we longed for all along, but could never quite put into words. So full of life, so real is that going to be that we're going to look back at this existence and call it the pre-life. <laughs> People say, well, in the afterlife, we're going to go to heaven. No, we're not. God's going to bring in a new heavens and a new earth. And I just want you to think about that for a second. Like a, a new Paris recognizable but infinitely more. Listen, listen, listen to what God inspired the Apostle Paul to write in Romans 8. Listen to this. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, listen to this. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. That's it. A new earth. New Paris, recognizable but more. Uh, new Vancouver, recognizable but infinitely more. Architecture beyond our ability to imagine. Restaurants, concerts, music, plays, movies. There's going to be a new Chilliwack, recognizable but infinitely more. There's going to be a new Cultus Lake, recognizable but infinitely more. There's going to be a new Rocky Mountains. There's going to be endless adventure, endless exploration, not only in Earth, but <clears throat> through endless galaxies that our God created. So can you imagine it? Like, look, look at this. <laughs> look, look, look at it. Like, No wonder we feel such a sense of wonder. Are you kidding me? Look at it. And yet, I feel like God wants to say to you and me today, you ain't seen nothing yet. All creation is being held back. C.S. Lewis referred to this world that we're living in right now in all its beauty. He called it the Shadowlands. That this is just a shadow of what's to come. Imagine that. your longing for wonder is going to be completely and totally and absolutely fulfilled. But I want to go back to something. So what's the way to wonder? What's the way to wonder? See, because winning is an outside thing and wedding is an outside thing and wonder is an inside thing. So what's the way to wonder? Well, the living water is the way. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. Because I want you to think about this for a second. In all of creation, this is the Shadowlands. It's being more or less held back. 
in all of creation, there is only one thing that is not in a state of being held back, that is not in the shadows, and that is a soul saved by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. See, wonder is an inside thing. I get it, your body is wearing out, but you're not. And today, right now, when you invite Jesus into your life, the wonder, the, the shadow is lifted from your soul. He will renew your youth. He will restore your wonder. Winning's not the way. Wedding's not the way. Jesus is the way. He'll give us a hope for someday. But he'll restore our wonder on this day. And so as I close today, I want to tell you again that Jesus is the way to wonder. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know the places that you've looked for wonder, but I want to suggest to you that all of the places that you've looked have led you to this moment. Jesus is the way. Jesus stepped into human history. He lived, he died, and he rose again for you to restore your soul to give you wonder that starts on the inside and comes out to change you, to secure your eternity. Everything that needed to be done has already been done. All you need to do is accept what Jesus died to give you. So I want to give you that opportunity right now. Jesus is the way to wonder. Are you willing to take it? So if you've never invited Jesus into your life, I'm going to pray right now and I would invite you wherever you are just to pray that prayer along with me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you died for me and that you rose again for me. I pray right now that you would save my soul, that you would forgive my sins and that you would restore my sense of wonder. I pray that you would be my Lord, that as you rose again from the grave, that you would uh, restore me to new life today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to say that's so incredible. That's so incredible. Would you do me a favor, by the way? Could you text the keyword life to 604-670? I'm sitting here pretending I'm texting. 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but you better believe we want to support you. We're, we're here to love one another. So let's do this life together. And I want to talk to all the rest of us. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Can I ask you something? I, want, I wonder if you've been living in the Shadowlands again, if, if, if you've lost your sense of wonder. And if that's true, I really, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you that God is going to renew your youth. And, and, and I want to tell everybody, can you make it a priority to be here these next three weeks for church? Set, set it in your calendar. Invite everyone you know and share the message with everyone that you can. We're going to talk about who you are going to be in heaven where you're going to be in heaven, and who you're going to meet in heaven. It's going to be three messages that you will never forget. I love you. I love you. Hey, you know what? Go have a wonderful day. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.